skeptical about custom beauty, honestly, y'all, I totally get it. My feed is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising, you know, to fix all of our beauty, hair, and skin problems. Truthfully, I was so skeptical when I saw this brand, but I'm a total believer now. When pros says custom, they actually mean it. Their products are no gimmicks, and your formula couldn't exist without you. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skin care is made to order and personalized with unique blends of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. And they get personal. Pros covers everything from your concerns to diet, exercise, and stress levels to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. Did you know, for example, that Minneapolis has like weirdly hard water, which apparently was affecting my hair? So like some of the ingredients that they put into my hair care was to like deal with the fact that we have hard water. Wow. I love that. They also asked me things like, you know, because I have had a baby recently, like, am I still breastfeeding? What are my hair goals? And I also really appreciated they asked like, how much effort do you want to put into your hair? Yeah, <laughs> because like I'm at the point, you know, I used to let, yeah, I used to do those, you know, put effort into my appearance, but now it's like, I just want to be able to walk out of the door without feeling self-conscious. Um, I, this is truly such a genuine endorsement. So I've really enjoyed using these products. But don't just take our word for it. In a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised control clinical trial, this is like the gold standard of all of these trials, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash just break up. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash just break up for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas, pros.com slash justbreakup. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sam Blackwell, and this week, because Sierra is taking a week off, we're going to talk about what I want to talk about, because it's my podcast and not yours. But before I begin, I just want to give you the Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed mental health providers, but rather we are just here to offer our humble advice and hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. So like I said, Sierra is off this week. Um, And so I thought it would be super fun for us to take a trip down memory lane And revisit some of my favorite letters from um, the episodes in the past uh, year or so. Um, So um, as you can all probably guess, these letters are going to be about (laughs) boundaries. They're going to be about blocking people. They are going to be about making sure that we know our worth and that we are valuing it. Um, So I want to dive right in with our first letter. So this letter comes from episode 100 called And You Can Cook With It, and it's from Halting and Confused. And the reason why I wanted to pick this letter is because um, it's one of those letters where I feel like I'm learning as I'm saying things, right? Which is such a unique treat that comes with 
doing this podcast where like I'm trying to to talk to our letter writer to all of our listeners and try and reframe something for them and it and it immediately helps me too. So, you know, when I talk about how um, I had to reframe to say, I'm not disappointing people. I'm establishing boundaries that are people are disappointed by. Like that is honestly something that I have been repeating to myself over and over and over again since this episode aired. Um, and it just makes me so grateful to everyone who has written letters, right? And everyone who listens to this podcast and engages with us on our social media, in the Facebook group, Um all of the nice things that y'all say in your letters. Um, it's just such a reminder um, that we're all, you know, trying to figure this out as we go along, right? Sierra and I are also learning as we're talking about this stuff. Um, and it just makes me so grateful for all of you, for our letter writers, all of the the ways in which this community continues to grow and help each other. So this is from Halting and Confused from episode 100, and you can cook with it. All right. Our next letter comes from Halting and Confused, who is writing from Quarantine. (laughs) Halting writes, I am a 32-year-old straight monogamous male and recent listener of the show. I love the support you provide. Not surprisingly, my question is about moving on from a relationship. My ex and I had known each other since high school and became closer friends over the years. She always had feelings for me, but I didn't quite feel like we were a match in the past. Nevertheless, a couple years ago, we were both out of serious relationships and started talking daily on the phone, long distance, developing feelings for each other. We took trips to see each other, and she eventually decided to move to be with me so we could give the relationship a fair shot. I was in training for my degree, and her career allowed or her career allowed more flexibility. Since we were already close, I knew that her lack of a sex drive was a longtime source of insecurity and a problem for her in previous relationships. We had discussed this since I have a healthy sex drive, but she ultimately felt that it would, wouldn't be as much of an issue for us since she had been attracted to me and wanted to date me for a long time. I told her that as long as it was something we could work on together as partners, then our sex life and frequency didn't have to look any certain way. Even in the beginning of our relationship, sex and intimacy was clearly an issue, though it became even more apparent when we moved in together. When we did have sex, it was clear that she was uncomfortable and in her head. I tried to do everything I could to be supportive, tell and show her how much I loved and was attracted to her, asked her what she wanted from her sex life so as not to make it about me, and told her time and again that I didn't have expectations as long as we were working together. I in no way wanted to pressure or shame her and tried to make it clear I just wanted us to be allies. Yet when we had these discussions, she would just repeat that she didn't know what she wanted and didn't know why sex made her uncomfortable. When I suggested that we just forget about sex and try to develop more physical intimacy together, for example, more kissing and cuddling, that also made her uncomfortable. I recently learned that touch is how I feel loved, but for her, it is an uncomfortable necessity of a relationship. We went from having sex every few weeks to every few months, and after we agreed together that she would take the lead and we would stop discussing intimacy as it made her more, as it made it more serious and therefore anxiety provoking for her to only a couple of times in the last year of our relationship. We had other physical intimacy over that time as, or we had little other physical intimacy over that time as well. While our friendship remained strong during all of this, I started feeling lonelier and more resentful, not because I wasn't getting what I wanted, but but because I felt like we weren't addressing something that I had expressed was so important to me feeling loved. 
Although she had told me that she was trying her hardest, she also said that she was fine with our relationship being how it, it was in spite of how I felt. It also became clear that I was the giver in the relationship and she was the taker. She cared about me a great deal and often told me that, but did little to actually show it in action. From my perception, our relationship was quite one-sided. We grew further apart and I eventually suggested that we end the relationship after two years of being together. She initially did not want to end it, but later decided it was for the best. Mm. I was sad and lonely, but also proud of myself and felt peace in this decision. We agreed to remain friends since we still cared for each other and had supported each other through the death of one of my parents, one of her parents having a major stroke, a cherished dog's death, and other major family health events. This was going okay, but a month or so after our breakup, she was dating again, which I understood. After all, she had moved to be with me and didn't put the effort in to develop her own relationships, friendships while we were together. But the following month, she was in another relationship. I asked, I know I shouldn't have, and she confirmed that she had had sex since we broken up. I was shattered beyond, and in some ways I still am. She told me it has nothing to do with me, that we just had incompatible needs, but I couldn't help feel, but feel so much shame and self-loathing. I'm an attractive, kind, compassionate, and confident person and partner, but I've never had a strong feeling of self-worth, and what I did have all went out the window. She became more flippant, and our friendship became just as one-sided as our relationship. I eventually asked that we stop talking for a while since I was still mourning the end of the relationship, and out of fairness to her new relationship, even though she told me that he knew all about me and was totally okay with us remaining close friends. She insisted that we stay in touch and continue to text message me from time to time, even asking for emotional support and at times being frustrated when I only responded briefly. Her behavior during our relationship was quite selfish, and this only increased once I tried to draw boundaries. Both in our relationship and friendship, she constantly told me that she loved and cared about me like she has for no one else and needs me in her life, but put little effort into actually being caring. We have now been broken up for about eight months and have not talked in a month or two. I feel like I'm starting to come out of a dark place. I have my own mental health issues exacerbated by the breakup and quarantine that I've been addressing with medication and therapy and felt confident in my plan to at least the rest of the year to focus for, on myself and stop focusing on past or future relationships altogether. However, to pass time during quarantine, I started using an app. And as I felt better, I've started talking to you and have hung out with several different women. I actually hope that most of these turn into friendships. But without going into details, there is the opportunity for a potentially primarily physical relationship with one woman. And I'm also started to develop a more in-depth connection with another woman. Even though I was thinking about my ex less often and with less intensity, there have been more frequent sweeping waves of sadness and longing for her since I've started dating again, along with increased anxiety. There are days when I question whether us not talking is the still the right thing. So my question is this, should I be dating or using this time to get in touch with myself? Is it possible to do both at the same time? I know people say you should feel whole by yourself before entering a relationship, but I don't know if that's possible as I've never really felt truly whole or content. I also know people say that when you meet the right person, you'll just know, but I'm also concerned that my anxiety surrounding romantic connections prevents me from developing what could be a great relationship. I fear losing myself, not because I'm dependent on my partners, but because I feel like I don't really know who I am beyond being a caregiver. Part of me is excited about the prospect of using this time to fully take care of myself without validation from others and to wait for the right partner. However, the biggest barrier to do to doing this is being sexually unfulfilled for the foreseeable future and masturbation just doesn't cut it. I know that as a male in 2020, I should be cool with uncommitted sex, but I don't want to be that guy who isn't ready to commit and suggest just hooking up 
And then I don't want to hook up with someone to only have them expect more from me and disappoint them. Mm. If you could tell, disappointing others is a big fear of mine. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I could tell that for sure. For me, sex without intimacy usually brings up more stress than it's worth as a friend with benefit situation is still emotional and physical energy spent that could otherwise be devoting to caring for my friends, myself, and for a more sustainable relationship. Your advice and support is much, much appreciated. All my love. Aw, thank you so much for writing Halting and Confused. I could call that hack. No, that's not very good. Hack! (laughs) Um... Yeah. Uh, first of all, I want to say, like, I'm sorry for your the loss of your relationship, but I'm Sam and I are, are very proud of you for doing all of this um, intense internal work, um, reflecting on what the right next step is, and mm-hmm. probably most importantly, of putting up boundaries between you and your ex. Um, mm-hmm. It is. I could write a novel. <laughs> on the particular move that I have done and have had done to me in relationships in which people use, um, people say that they love you and mean that you mean so much to them. And then their actions don't reflect that. Um, I'm, I'm totally (laughs) guilty of that. Uh, I, I did that when, and, and just, I guess to be vulnerable and transparent, I did that when I, because I too was deeply afraid of disappointing someone, but couldn't mm. um, couldn't fathom them not being in my life in the way in which I could like access them or love them or or whatever. Um, and so I I have used that same strategy where like my words were my words were representing um, my feelings, but my actions weren't representing my authenticity, if that makes sense. Like I, I loved the person and still wanted them to be close to me, but I wasn't truly allowing myself to recognize what was healthy for the two of us, what was being sustained and not sustained. I wasn't, I wasn't acknowledging that I just didn't want to disappoint this person by saying like, uh, we can't have a relationship anymore. Um, anyway, I just, Mm. I think that that's a particularly difficult hum- but common human experience, one that I have been privy to on both sides. And TLDR, my deal, dear halting and confused, um, that person just doesn't know how to put up their own boundaries. Um, and that person mm-hmm. is, is, un- in, is unable to sustain a healthy friendship with you at this time. Um, mm-hmm. And, and we can't, we can't, um, we can't put up other people's boundaries for them, which means you have to be able to say, as, as it seems like you have, or like with the space that you've taken, um, that your words are showing me one thing, but your actions are showing me the other. And until we can find where there's a safe and sustainable common ground for those two things, I need to step mm-hmm. away. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, I've talked about how establishing boundaries can make the other person feel like you are taking something away from them. Oh my God, so real. Um, which is like, no, which is how people react when you tend, like when you suddenly put up boundaries that haven't been in there in the first place, like people react as if you are taking something away from, uh, some taking something away from them. But even on the other side, sometimes putting up boundaries can make us feel like we are mm-hmm. taking something away or it, we are somehow disappointing that other person or somehow um, denying them something that we have decided that they're entitled yeah. to. 
So that's real. Like, let me say that hundred percent. And I can feel that so much in your letter that, that like fear of saying like me putting up boundaries is somehow hurting this person or me putting up boundaries is somehow denying them something. And the reality is, is that this, this person, this woman that you were friends with and that you dated and that you broke up with, um, has no entitlement to any part of you, right? You are not denying her something that she's entitled to. You are not disappointing her. I mean, you probably are disappointing her because like, she's a person and like probably expects more from you than you are willing or should be willing to give. Right. But you are not, you are not denying her anything that she needs. You are not denying her anything that she uh, is entitled to. You are just establishing, you are finally saying to her, like, you don't get to have all of me without anything in return. Yeah. You don't get to have every part of me, this support, this love that I've continued to give you because it's unsustainable for me. And I want to make sure that that love and that support goes to someone who is going to be able to help support me in equal fashion to the support that I'm giving them. I totally agree. And I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought up both sides too, because for me, like the, the people pleaser and the non, my fear of disappointment, um, but also my lack of boundaries <laughs> manifests mm-hmm. in um, in that same guilt of feeling as though someone is taking something from me as though they yeah. don't trust me to like take care of them or whatever, even though like my selfish ass was probably being an asshole. Um, but also <laughs> that I if I'm the one upholding the boundary that that I am that I am stripping someone of something or denying them of something. And I'm glad you said it the way you did, because I was going to pop in and say like. You are, you are denying them access to you. Or if somebody puts up a boundary of me, I am losing something. I'm losing access to them. But my dear, like fellow uh, conflict fear, halting and confused, um, that we have to normalize that. We have to normalize Mm -hmm. that we will never move through life and not disappoint someone. That is impossible. We have to normalize disappointing people. We have to normalize not giving people everything because that is unsustainable and not just unsustainable. It is impossible. It is like I saw this meme, uh, like a a quote the other day on Instagram um, that said something like, uh, I think I brought it up a couple episodes ago. Um, Lisa Oliveira therapy said, um, imperfection is literally the only option. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and similarly, like disappointing people is the only option, right? Yep. Um, taking, uh, not giving everything to everyone is not an option or is the, is the only option I should say. Um, people feeling as though you take something from them is the only option that this is, we got to normalize that these things happen in, in life, in relationships, you know, Mm -hmm. and I, I, furthermore, I want to normalize that we can be good, generous, kind people and do these things. I think we have these, these like parallel universes in in our brains in which we are either a terrible, selfish person or a (laughs) healthy, selfless person. Um, Yeah. You're either a giver or a taker. Yes. And that's, it's, it's not like (laughs) humans are not that. Um, we mm-hmm. are way, way more complicated than that. Um, and all in, and our dynamics change 
person to person. That's that's how complicated we are. Is that like um, mm-hmm. we might think that we are all we are universally one way or another, but it changes all the time depending on the dynamic or the context of whatever relationship we are referring to. Um, and so halting and confused, I just want to say to you that you can be generous, kind, healing, hurting, selfish, uh, boundary setting, disappointing all at once. And those are all <laughs> fine things to be because that is mm-hmm. part of the human experience. Yep. Absolutely. So to your partner moving on sexually, I want to say, um, I'm sorry, that is a particular pain. And uh, it sounds like you've already started to unpack that that doesn't mean, um, it sounds like you've done some head and heart work in terms of like not uh, obsessing too much over that. But I want to say that the timing in which someone moves on beyond our 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 relationship that we share, that the the things that they do after said breakup and the timeline of that have little Mm. to nothing to do with us and the actual relationship that they left. For sure. Do you agree? Yes, I agree with that a hundred percent. Right. And I will say, let me just say this too. It is much easier to have unhealthy sex than it is to have healthy sex. And I think, (laughs) and by unhealthy, you just mean like, um, Maybe let's use a different word than unhealthy, like uh, uh, non-intimate versus intimate. Is that fair? Because like casual sex isn't inherently unhealthy or like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And I don't know. I'm not talking about casual sex. You can have unhealthy sex in a very committed relationship yeah. as well. Right? Yeah. Like I'm saying like, so you, what I love about your letter halting is that like the things that you did in partnership with your partner to try and draw her into an intimate, a physically intimate and sexual relationship with you are the things that we all talk about, right? Those are like healthy things to say, let's have a conversation about it. Let's talk about what we like. Let's like, let's like get into it. Mm. It is much easier to have sex where you don't talk about those things and just let somebody do something to you. (laughs) So I want to say like, I want to say that the fact that she had sex doesn't mean that it has anything to do with you. And if it does have something to do with you, it might be because you called on her to have more difficult, uncomfortable, uncomfortable conversations about intimacy than she was prepared for. And that's actually a marker of a good partner, a good sexual partner, not someone who isn't like fulfilling her. Right. I can tell you that like, I have had so much unhealthy sex Mm. in my life, but having like, (laughs) Yeah. 100% consensual sex where I like am fully present and showing up makes me so uncomfortable because it is true vulnerability, it is true intimacy that it's like I could have I could have sexual partners out the wazoo if, if the sex was about me just being an object for that other person, mm. right? But like when it comes to having actual healthy sex, it's harder for me to actually do it because I have to show up differently and I have to address the things that make me uncomfortable, the ways in which I bring shame into sex. Mm. But it but that's what that is what true intimacy looks like is showing up authentically and not just saying to myself, Oh, it's much easier to just be an object so that people good. use. Such such a so good like, point. So it, like the sex that you were having with her and trying to have with her has nothing to do with the sex that she is having now. And it could be, 
even if it is super healthy, wonderful sex, I don't want to like, I don't want to say what her sex looks like, but you have to understand that there are like different types of sex that people can have. Mm -hmm. And your type of sex didn't work because she was unwilling or unable to be open and vulnerable with you. And not because she wasn't sexually attracted to you Mm -hmm. or not because she didn't, she couldn't have had sex with you. Right. right? Or their desires just didn't align Uh, from, from what he tells us in the letter she just didn't have a high sex drive. Um, and, and that was a conflict in their relationship, no doubt. Um, but the, like maybe they just didn't align and she can find that alignment somewhere else. Again, right. it, it doesn't reflect back on the letter writer. Um, and I know that's hard. That's, sure. that's like such hard mental labor to be like, wait a minute, these things are directly related <laughs> in my experience. And right. yet it has nothing to do with me, you know? For sure. Yeah. Like it's like, no, these are two apples. Like Mm. they should be the same thing, but Mm. it's like, no, they're, they may like have the same shape, but they are completely different at their core because they are the ingredients that go into them are completely different. I can say that every sexual partner I have had, our interaction has been wholly unique and different. The only Mm. common thread has been me. And yeah, maybe a the vibrator. Only common thread has been me and my self-esteem. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what if I was like, and the only common thread has been coconut oil? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, by the way, don't use that as a sexual lubricant. Thank you. Um, anyway, you can use that as a lotion, but like, don't put it in your bits. Yeah, give each other a massage, Ooh. but then like, don't put it in your body. Well, it just throws off your pH balance and, you know. Right. Yep. Can uh, cause bacterial infection for sure. Yeah. Um, however, it is a great moisturizer and like a sexy, fun playtime. And you can cook with it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, this episode is brought to you by <laughs> coconut oil. <laughs> That's just what I was going to say. Use promo exactly code. Just break up say. pod. I wish we had more sponsors that were just like, this episode is brought to you by chairs. <laughs> right. uh. Anyway, halted and alone. Um, I mean, confused. Oh, shit. Halteen. <laughs> I said your whole name wrong. Halteen and confused. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, so just wanted to touch on that sex and like, and hopefully big you up that like you are your own whole, uh, beautiful, attractive, desirable, sexual being, um, that, and, and none of that, none, none of that sacredness of yourself is tapped into or like taken away from by someone else's sexual experience that has nothing to do with you. Um, again, mm-hmm. that's very hard mental labor to do, but it is the labor that we have to do to have a healthy and sustainable relationship with ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. To your final questions about what to do now, um, I think you should use this time to date. (laughs) I don't know what Sam's going to say, but like um, it's been eight months. You've been doing a lot of self-reflection and I cannot tell you how much I learn about myself uh, by putting myself out in the world, period. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that. Well, the idea of navigating the conversations that have to do with casual or monogamous sex or um, benef- friends with benefits versus a, an exclusive relationship, the idea of having those conversations sounds exhausting to you. And don't get me wrong, it totally is, particularly in context of fearing 
you know, being of disappointing someone, I think that's going to be really good practice for you leading into your next committed relationship is that we have to get used to disappointing people and putting up our own boundaries. And that Mm. I know that there's like seven uh, listeners out there that's like, wait a minute, you want him to sleep with somebody and then get used to disappointing them, (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) like uh, disappoint them. I'm not saying that I want you to disappoint people by not being emotionally available to them. I want you to disappoint people in an ethical, moral way by saying, I'm not, you know, you seem really great, but I don't feel the connection here. So I'd rather just be friends. If we want to be physically intimate, I just want you to know this is what I am here for. And this is what I'm available for. I'm not looking for anything else and I won't be for a while. Or, you know, like that's what I mean by disappointed. I don't mean like sleep with somebody and then tell them the next day that, you never want to speak to them again or, or whatever. Yeah. You mean dating people while establishing healthy boundaries with them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which is not actually disappointing people. That's dating people and establishing healthy boundaries. But, with it, them. <laughs> but it is disappointing yeah. people. And I'm glad that you said mm-hmm. it like that. Um, and then I'm glad that I'm interjecting with this only because for someone like me who, who chronically and deeply fears disappointing people to the point um, where it, it affects my life. It just affects my life. This in a bit, this fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to, I have to really say those words. And because, because in my, um, in my growing and healing brain, um, putting up boundaries sounds nice and friendly. Disappointing people mm-hmm. sounds terrifying um, and cruel <laughs> and selfish, but they're the same thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so Yeah. <laughs> no, which is why I like to focus uh, yeah, on the yeah, positive yeah, yeah, yeah. and say like, no, I'm establishing, I'm not disappointing people. I'm establishing boundaries that they are yes. disappointed by, Ultimately, but like that has nothing to do with me. you have the healthier, more like <laughs> developed response. I'm, I'm still in like my cave woman stage where I'm like, no, no, no. I need to like disappoint people. I need to be okay with that. Um, so do but you I think, think that like, you should date? But I also think that, go ahead, no, that. No. But the idea of that is like an active thing, right? Yes. Like you are not disappointing people. People are disappointed with you, right? Mm, like you have, I love you that. establishing boundaries is not you disappointing them. You establishing boundaries is creating disappointment in them that they don't get unfettered access to you. I love that. Right? Like and I, you're not disappointing I love anyone. You're I just love that dis- semantics. <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh my but, God. This is like yeah, 37 I mean, years late um, from our literally our first letter. But I wonder but what the etymology of crush is sorry that is fifty thousand years ago (laughs) um but i was hoping you knew because you are the of the two english majors you're you're more of an english major (laughs) (laughs) yeah i do love words (laughs) um uh you're the writer. I am the one that dissects everything. <laughs> no, I'm like the fucking freelance poet and you're the person who does the New York Times crossword puzzle. I think that is the perfect delineation between the two of us. Which is just an example of the fact that it would you would think that this would be a comparison of apples to apples, but like oh there's my God. so much Bring it around, nuance girl. Connect it. within even English majors, yes. right? Even English majors, um, <laughs> <laughs> the rare breed that is yes. English majors. Even um, English majors. Yes. Tell me about what you think you should do moving forward. I think Sierra is right. Like you can and should date if that's what you want to do. And I think that you can do it just like Sierra said in a way that um, is practicing what it means to be healthy. 
Um, but I also think if you are not ready in a place to do that, that's also fine. If you want to spend some time being alone, um, I think that's great. And I think what, you know, you talk about sort of like how masturbation doesn't cut it. Right. But how do you turn masturbation into sex with yourself? Right. Like, how do you, I think that like sometimes diving into your own pleasure and like realizing how you can give yourself pleasure. Totally. Also starts to like boost your understanding of yourself, like your self-esteem, like the things that you are able and willing to do. So like, I think that there can probably some both be some both and here, right? Like what does it look like to date and establish some healthy boundaries and practice what that feels like while also at the same time, deepening your relationship with yourself, deepening your understanding of yourself Uh, So that you can walk through, walk into some of these things where you're disappointing someone or someone disappoints you. And you can understand that it's not a failing of you yourself, but a failing of different wants and needs, different things that you are both seeking. Um, And know that at the end of the day, you are still whole 100%, no matter how much people are disappointed in you, no matter how many times they are angry at your boundaries, no matter how many times they don't want to have sex with you because of whatever is going on in their head, right? Um, And that, I think, is what we talk about when we say, like, before you love someone else, you got to love somebody else. But you can learn to love yourself and also learn to love people at the same time. Yes, totally. I'm so glad you brought up that point about masturbation. I'm also very proud of you (laughs) on our hundredth episode. um, Right. I'm so glad you brought that up because again, our, our desire for sex might sometimes clouds our understanding of our desire for a relationship or intimacy. Um, Like Mm -hmm. we're, we are animals after all, like we we are sexual beings who like want to get off sometimes. Um, and uh, I think that Sam makes a really great, healthy uh, point about how can you deepen your understanding with your own intimacy? Buy a fucking sex toy. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, honestly, I think that's a great idea. Um, explore that. Explore yourself a little bit more than um, uh, as you continue down this journey of like better understanding yourself in context of romantic relationships. That's right. Yeah. I'm just going to say it. Put stuff in your butt. <laughs> Sam, I guarantee you it's going to feel really good. Put stuff in your du- butt. <laughs> I was going to say uh, buy a fleshlight or like a cock ring or something, you know. Both. Why not all of those things, right? Why, and why not? Yeah. Um, uh, I think that there are, uh, there are thousands of ways that we can explore our own intimacy with ourselves. And I don't just mean sexually. So I think this is a Mm -hmm. great time to explore this as well as practicing, putting up your boundaries, practicing, sitting with the feeling of being, of disappointing other people Um, and, and giving yourself space to heal from this heartbreak. Give yourself space Mm -hmm. from this girl. Do put up Mm -hmm. a no contact. Oh yeah. Black, 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 black. Bring it back to I our roots. I think you roots. asked us if you should talk to her, but like, no, you should not. Yeah, no, 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 no. Black, 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 black. Bringing it to our black, 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 black roots. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Episode three. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, okay, cool. I think that was, I hope that was helpful. Um, halting and confused. I am so glad you wrote to us and thank you for listening. Good luck. We love you. Thank you. 
All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. (laughs) Stop wasting money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. (laughs) We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right, everyone. Wasn't that a great letter? Aren't you so glad that I picked it? Um, all right. So our next letter is going to come from episode 77, which is called Not All People Are For Me, which is such an important thing for us to all remember. Um, and the letter comes from Kim K. Uh, this letter was honestly really um, 
emotional for me, right? Because, you know, I am someone that has been a people pleaser. And you'll you'll hear in Kim's letter about how, you know, wanting to make things okay and wanting to just pour her love out to people um, is really great and wonderful and also a challenge for her. Um, and honestly, like this letter is a reminder for me again of, you know, how healing the show is for me in so many ways, because sometimes when I answer letters like this and sometimes, and I'm sure this year feels the same way, but I, I won't speak for her. Um, it feels like I'm talking to like a younger me or, or like, I don't even know, like a present me sometimes too. And, and having these types of conversations with Sierra in partnership with all of you is, is often a way to like, let go of some of the shit that I'm carrying. And it's, it's like letters like this that sometimes let me like talk to myself differently and say stuff like, you know, like you're really feeling some type of way about that codependent relationship you were in like a decade ago. Right. You know, and like this letter from Kim is really bringing up all of those feelings and all of those emotions. And like, it's clear that you're still holding on to a lot of that. And it's like, well, if, if you can sit here and you can tell Kim that Kim needs to forgive herself for this relationship that she's in or for the way that she showed up, um, why can't you forgive yourself too? Um, and so I love this letter. Um, I love the advice that Sierra and I give in this letter. Um, and I'm really excited to share it with you all again. So this is from episode 77, Not All People Are For Me, a letter from Kim K. All right, our final letter is from Kim K, who is writing to us from Canada. Oh, so not the Kim K. Canada is spelled with a K. (laughs) Just kidding, it's not. (laughs) Okay. I love the start of our story. We had known each other for over a year, but I never saw let's call him Gordon, in a romantic way. One night when we were all out with friends, he just went for, he went for it with me out of nowhere. And from that night onward, we were inseparable. It was crazy how natural everything was and it was absolutely perfect. I had major trust issues growing up, so I always ended things before it got serious so that I wouldn't get hurt in the end. But for the first time in my life, it was different. I felt it in my heart and knew it was real. Two weeks later... He asked me to be his girlfriend. Two weeks later, I told him I was falling for him, and he told me he loved me. Usually, I know that this could be a red flag so early on, but we both just knew. I could be so true and honest around him, and it was truly the happiest I've ever been. The problem was that Gordon had been unhappy with himself and where he was at in life long before our relationship began. He felt discouraged with his life and would have extreme emotional lows. I'm a true believer in that you have to be happy with yourself in order to make others happy. I felt guilty that I wanted him to prioritize me when he needed himself the most. Slowly, I could feel a little bit of distance as he became more and more unhappy with himself. I wanted him to be... I wanted him to need me, but the thing was he needed himself most. I wasn't trying to change him, but I wanted to be there for him and by his side. However, he started to drink a lot more, slept until 2 p.m., and while I loved hanging out with him still, our relationship became a standstill. There wasn't anything wrong, per se, but our relationship wasn't growing and developing. I kept telling myself that I needed to end it, but I couldn't bear the thought of losing him. I kept telling myself that the good outweighed the bad, but he was trying, and he was trying so hard to be the best boyfriend. Eventually, after six months, we broke up because he needed to be on his own to make himself happy and to figure out life. 
I felt like he gave up on us. I understood that he needed to do this on his own and it hurt because, but it hurt because why did he have to get rid of the one thing in his life that made him happy? Me. Why was he willing to let me go? I knew deep down that it wasn't for the best, but that it was for the best, but I just couldn't let go. Even though we broke up, we talked pretty much every day and met up all the time. He would say, quote, there's no one in my life I loved more than you. I think about you every day. You mean so much to me and I care about you so much. The last six months, we've tried to say we are broken up or we are on a break, but come crawling back to each other because we love each other so much. We are so good when we're together. And then we have one crazy fight and then it all comes crashing down. We ended things again for the third time within a year because of the constant highs and lows that were exhausting us both. We go from hanging out all the time, inseparable together, to another break, then hanging out all the time to another break. And it's a continuous cycle and it's not healthy. What I can't understand is I'm willing to work through the problems because I love him so much, but he just shuts down. We've been down this road a million times the past year, and it has been the hardest breakup I have ever been through. There are red flags about him that would normally be deal breakers for me, but I love him so much that I overlook them and make excuses for them. Sometimes I think I deserve better, and I know I wouldn't seem like I was asking for too much if I was the right person. But when he tells me I love you until the day I die and beyond, and I think about you every day, I'll miss you for every day of the rest of my life, shouldn't we be together? If our love is so strong, shouldn't we be able to get through anything? Or is it just time to appreciate the love we had and know that our love for one another is unconditional and but just move on for good? I have so much love to give, and I know he does too, but are we just supposed to, t- to let it all go and leave it up to the universe? It's the classic question. When do you know to let go for good or continue trying harder because you truly love each other? Sorry for the long story. I'm just so lost and I've tried everything to get over this relationship, but still it seems impossible to do. Thank you so much for writing, Kim K. This is a hard one. Well, it is a recognizable one, I think. Um, Not that it it is very hard. Um, I think it is. Sam and I sometimes talk privately (laughs) not always before in front of microphones but we sometimes we talk about how uh hard it can be to read our our letter submissions all in in one sitting Mm -hmm. because it's kind of hard to repeatedly read very similar stories from so many people across the world about how hard it is to be two humans in partnership with each other yeah and how this is a perfect example of the best intentions, um, but some weak tools or lacking of tools, yep. lacking of boundaries, but the, so much love, right? For sure. Not to talk about my own poetry, <laughs> but I have a poem about an abusive relationship that I was in and and the conflict that I felt internally about um, how much love I had for that person still. Yep. And one of the lines that I still think of, especially when I read letters like this, Kim, is what do I do with all this leftover love? Mm. What do you do when you have love for somebody who has proven to be unsafe or unsustainable or not good for you? Yep. Um, so first first up, Kim, I'm sorry that you're in this situation and we have a lot of empathy for it. Absolutely. Um, I think that the 
the best way we can be helpful for you is to give you a lot of tough love. Mm -hmm. So please know that we really empathize with this situation. We have both been in comparable relationships who have last that have lasted years you you know lived with my ex for two years right like after we broke up (laughs) yeah you know we have been in relationships where we stayed for way too long that you could you know that at some parts of our lives we said we wasted time with these people Mm -hmm. you know so um and we have loved people who hurt us we have loved people who have been bad to us so we definitely understand and are approaching this with a lot of empathy but i want to make sure that i that sam and i say things really clearly mm-hmm. so that um hopefully we can shake you out of this cycle absolutely cuz it is a cycle right mm-hmm. it's an addiction it is the absolutely. highs and lows that we stay with people just to feel good mhm to to avoid that bad drop absolutely yeah. All right. Uh, Let's get started with the tough love. <laughs> okay. So, Kim, here's my here's my first tough love. Um, I hope you hear it when I read you the letter back that it doesn't matter how much you love someone. If you have an unhealthy relationship, that love is wasted. Uh-huh. Well. Not wasted. No, no, no. I, I take that back. That love is not going anywhere productive. Yes. It's not going to f- love un- is not going to fix it. Right. It doesn't it doesn't matter. It doesn't. I, that's probably the harshest thing I'll say right there is yep. that it doesn't matter how much you love each other. Yeah. Isn't that hard? Because it is really we hard. we we have been taught in like every book, every pop culture thing that like if you just love somebody enough, the relationship should work. Mm-hmm. But that's the lie that we've been brought up on yep. that makes us stay in relationships that are not good for us and when or safe for us. And when yep. I say safe, I don't mean Kim that your partner is threatening you or hurting you physically, but you're not um, flourishing in this re- relationship. This yep. relationship is not a fertile, safe place for you to grow and be happy and be the person that you're meant to be. For sure. We're not supposed to go through these extreme highs and lows. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not what you, that's not your purpose on life. Is Your purpose on life is not to be constantly giving your relationship CPR. Mm-hmm. No, that's real. And I, so Kim, I'm going to say this, but your relationship to me is like textbook codependency. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we talk about codependency, we talk about um, like sacrificing your own happiness in an effort to to control your other, your significant other's emotions, right? We talk about um, having so much love that it feels like you can't establish healthy boundaries with the person. Um, coming together and spending all of your time together all of the time and then having a big fight and breaking and going your separate ways. Um is is codependent because there's there's no healthy amount of of boundaries that mm-hmm. allow you to love each other in ways that are healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would encourage you, uh, as always, to see a therapist about this, uh, but also to to read the book Codependent No More by Melody, Melody Beattie, Beattie um, which talks about the ways in which our the the greatest one of the greatest things we can do for people which is to love them can actually turn into something that hurts them and hurts us yes right and i and i think that's why i i'm feeling really emotional about this letter and it is because i can feel how much you love gordon like i can feel that you are just like putting all of the wonderful things and all of the gifts that you can give the world into this thing. And it's just not working because it, it doesn't have the place to grow in a healthy right. way. Um, 
And I just think that that's that's so hard. But I want I'm telling you right now, you are trying to grow a garden in sand. Yes. Right. You are trying to pour all of your love, all of the nutrients that you can into this plant that has nothing to hold it there. Yes. And that sucks so bad. Yes. But I have to tell you that because I need you to see it for what it is so that you can understand that you need to walk away from it and you need to find a place where you can grow, where you can plant something that is actually going to be sustainable. Yeah. And I'm going to jump on that and say, too, I don't even mean walk away from this to grow a garden in a different, more fertile place. A big symptom of codependency that I know way too well Uh personally is... Um, either a lack of sense of self or struggling with self-loathing or, or, or something within us codependence, Kim, because I'm one of those people too, but there's something in us that tells us that we are not enough as is that we are only worth the love other people have for us. Mm -hmm. Right. Which means if you were to leave Gordon, who are you without his love? Exactly. Who are you if you don't, if you can't love him? And Mm -hmm. I hear that so much in your letter, you struggling with letting go of this toxic, unhealthy, cyclical relationship, because who are you without it? And I want to tell you, you are a whole, worthy, lovable human without this relationship. You are whole, worthy and lovable. If no one loves you, Mm -hmm. you are whole, worthy and lovable even if you have no one to love. And I want something that I really want to prompt you, Kim, is to reflect on how much time, energy, emotional labor, financial uh, money are you putting into this relationship that you are not putting into strictly yourself? Right. Like, where do you grow yourself? Where is Kim's garden, right? Mm -hmm. Who? What are your hobbies? What are your jobs? What are the things that bring you joy? Um, what are the things that in your life make you happy outside of this relationship? Um, and I'm fearful, Kim, that there that that list is very small because how else can an addict how how can an addict make space for anything other than its addiction? Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, it sounds like you you make so much space for this relationship, the succubus of a relationship that takes all your time, energy, love, um, that I don't know where Kim is. That's right. And I also want to say, Kim, is that um, toxic and unhealthy relationships don't always look like anger and abuse, right? Toxic and unhealthy relationships can just look like a person who is hurting and is unintentionally or, or um, you know, through no fault of their own, hurting their partner. Right. Right. And so I think sometimes we are we are taught to look for um, red flags that are like this person gets really angry or this person threatens me or this person uh, becomes really toxic when they're drunk. Mm -hmm. Right. Like those are all flags, red flags that we have learned to, to identify. But sometimes the red flag is, is this person is incapable of taking care of themselves. Right. Right. Like this person is uh is pulling me into things that aren't mine to be pulled into and it's it's hard to say that because we all I can totally empathize with the fact that Gordon is hurting and that he needs support but you are not the person to need to offer him that support mm-hmm. and he needs help that isn't you you are not going to be able to solve this problem you are not going to be able to fix it and as sad as that is and as painful as that is and you know that I know that firsthand mm-hmm. The reality is, is that both of you need to find a way to be healthy 
on your own before you are going to be able to mend any sort of relationship, mm-hmm. right? And and it's really sad to say that, but I I just want to be clear that like there's nothing for you here. Mm-hmm. This is an unhealthy, a toxic relationship, even though it is full of love and it's sad instead of scary. It is still unhealthy and it is still not working. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my parting words are would probably be say would be that just like an addict often needs to quit cold turkey mm-hmm. or do a detox. Mm-hmm. I don't think you need to quit cold turkey. I mean, well, let me hear me out. <laughs> I came, unfortunately. And with great empathy and love and respect, Sam and I are saying just break up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would also like to say it sounds like you need to hit a reset on your relationship with yourself and your relationship with Gordon. Yep. And that reset needs to include some sort of um, cleanse time mm-hmm. in which you detox from that relationship. And that means you do not you do a no contact. Yep. That would be uh, like a of tangible piece of advice i would say I, I would suggest that you go through a no contact stage where you guys don't contact each other for three months and see who you are at the end of that time mm-hmm. and i mean go ahead yeah i would say that yes but it also sounds like you've tried that before too like that you that you go through periods where you don't talk to each other right and so maybe it does have to be something more firm firmer maybe it's mm-hmm. that you can't be in contact with each other for the foreseeable future, right? Yeah. Like, And that's just... okay. That's another thing that codependents really struggle with is that yep. we have so much love to give that we feel like we're hurting someone yes. by reinforcing our own boundaries yep. or prioritizing our own health. Yep. Our health, you're not a bad person for saying, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And you might be, you might hurt him by saying that, but you are not hurting him. Right. Uh, that might hurt his feelings. He might feel pain because of that. But guess what, Kim? You have a right to exist in this world. You have agency. You have a right to happiness. Yep. And you you are not a bother to someone by expressing your own needs or desires. That's a mm. huge thing that codependent people struggle with is understanding that, like, you just have a right to exist. And existing includes For sure. making people uncomfortable, making people saying things that people don't want to hear, yep. uh, disappointing people. That all of that doesn't make you a bad person. That mm-hmm. is a part of the human experience. You cannot walk through this world without disappointing or hurting people. Absolutely. And it doesn't make you a bad person to do that, Kim. So, yeah, big heavy sigh after all that, Kim. We love you. We believe in you. We we love your love, but we can tell that it's sick right now. Yeah. Right? Like, just because we have the capacity to love something so much doesn't mean that the love inside of us is healthy. Mm-hmm. That's and right. you deserve something healthy and sustainable and stable. You do. Good luck. Thanks so much for writing. We love you so much. Awesome. All right. So for our third and final letter, um, I thought I would pick actually a pretty recent one. Um, this is from episode 122, A Real Man Would Just Die in His Sleep. <laughs> um and honestly, I love the the episode titles that that Spencer and Sierra pick uh, because I have no context for what a real man should, would just die in his sleep means. Like, I have no memory of us saying it, um, but it is just such a wonderful turn of phrase. Um, and the letter is from Exhausted Bridget. 
Um, and and honestly, this letter was really hard for me to answer, um, given everything that I went through with my dad. Right. Bridget writes about sort of her boyfriend who is um, going through his own mental health issues and sort of the ways in which she's folding herself smaller and smaller to make sure that she doesn't upset him or that she doesn't make him feel bad. Um, and honestly, the advice that that Sierra and I gave to Bridget uh, was really painful advice to give, um, you know. I uh, really felt for her and I, and I also, you know, carry a lot of pain over the fact that like when my family and I um, finally started asking for my dad to treat us differently, he really didn't handle it well. And um, just recognizing how hard a place that is to be in and also to recognize that like sometimes there is no good advice to give, right? Sometimes there's no way that we can make any situation better immediately. And that's, that's really challenging. Um, and so this letter really speaks to me. This letter really makes me feel, um, for what Bridget is going through and, and what, what I went through with my family and, um, and so I wanted to share it with all of you again. I also wanted to share this one because we actually got an update from Bridget, which I will share with you um, once we play this letter. So this is again from episode 122, A Real Man Would Just Die in His Sleep, and it comes from Exhausted Bridget. All right. Our next letter comes from Exhausted Bridget, who is writing from Ontario, Canada. Hey guys, I've been listening to Just Break Up obsessively, hoping to hear someone with the same question as mine, and so far it's a no, and if I don't get some help soon, I'm going to implode, so here it goes. I've been in a monogamous relationship with my boyfriend, he, him, for almost two years, and like relationships do, it started out so wonderful. He made me feel so safe, and our passions aligned like two peas in a pod, my cat approved of him, and it felt like nothing could go wrong. I'm sure you see where this is going, though, and things did indeed go wrong. He had managed depression and anxiety when we met, but about eight months ago, the terrifying monster of severe depression returned, and things have been an absolute heckin' nightmare since. He became extremely dependent on me and com being completely over my head and just wanting to make things better for him, I let myself become that person that he relied on. Now my life completely revolves around his. I plan his every day. I come home from work each day to spend hours doing his work with him since his job performance is extremely poor, but he refuses to take a leave from work. I'm obsessively encouraging him to seek therapy to no avail. I'm walking on eggshells trying to say only the right things to avoid inciting his meltdowns. I no longer feel like I can bring up my feelings or needs without the incoming meltdown. I'm Managing all of his basic human needs, I'm so scared of his anger, which manifests as yelling at people who love him, and sometimes breaking things, and the list goes on. His mood swings rule my life, and I live for those rare, sweet moments when things seem to be okay, but generally, I just feel like I'm living in a rotten pit of garbage the rest of the time. All in all, I know that I've let every boundary that I originally didn't know I needed to be crossed, mm. and I know that our relationship is incredibly unhealthy. I even know that for my sake, although it makes me feel sick with guilt, we need to just break up. But this is where I'm at a total loss. How the heck do I go about breaking up with someone who is struggling so hard already? Like literally, what's the best timing? I've been waiting to see some improvement to do it, but he's not improving and I'm already far past my breaking point. We also live with his parents, which adds a whole other dimension of confusion. 
Should I tell his parents first so they can be ready for the fallout that I know will ensue? How do I get over the sickening guilt for leaving his parents to have to support him when I've been taking the weight off them so much and my boyfriend already has a hard relationship with them? Lastly, how do I get over the other and biggest dimension of sickening guilt that is leaving someone I care about so much when he's at his lowest? I feel like the worst person that my question to you isn't how to support him better, but I'm so checked out of our relationship and things have gone so far that I can't check back in. Thank you for your wise words and support that you've already given me through all of the other podcast episodes, but any other advice related specifically to this shit show would be so appreciated. Thank you so much for writing. I, I'm sort I feel sort of honored to answer this question. I think back at the beginning thinking about reflecting on the podcast. I remember the first couple of months of our podcast two and a half years ago, mm. we we would still get so we were still so shocked that people would send us such personal things, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm reminded of that feeling um, and that sense of awe and gratitude that you guys, that you all share this with us and um, share your, share your burdens with us. I feel grateful to carry them um, with you or, or to tell you what to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just want to quickly say that this is such an incredibly incredibly hard situation that you find yourself in and i'm mm-hmm. i'm so sorry that your good love turned into something that it was that was harmful and unstable and um and i'm very, and sam and i are both very proud of you for getting to the point where you realize that you are unhappy and that you deserve better um i know that that is that is half of the very difficult journey is just realizing that you need out you know mm-hmm. absolutely and i think it's um it's just really hard to be in these situations where it feels like there's no villain, right? Like where it feels like, oh yeah, we're all just we're just messy humans, yeah. and this messiness is not working. Um, because it's it's so much easier when you're like, oh, he cheated on me, and so now we're broken up. Like that feels like yes, this is the right choice. But yeah. to be in a situation where you're like, this is just unsustainable. This right. is just this is just an impossibility at this point. Um. It's just really challenging because it feels it feels like you're the one that has to be the villain then, right? right? You're the one that has to take on the story of being like the asshole who broke up with him when he was at his lowest. Right. Um, and I think I think we are fed this narrative that there is that there is a the right way to do things or there is a kind mm-hmm. way to break up, right? Um mm-hmm. and that narrative reinforces this idea that that th- that we can do this in a way that saves pain or that to do mm. it at any other time would be worse or whatever there's literally like articles online that are like how to break up with someone in a kind way as though as though the act itself could possibly be perceived as kind don't get me wrong we you know we at just break up know that breaking up can be the right kind thing to do. But I mm-hmm. think it's a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves to find the fir- the perfect timing, the right way to do mm-hmm. the right way to enforce our boundaries and to make the, the right change for our lives in the way that hurts the person the least. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's, that's setting us up for failure because um, exhausted Bridget, like there is no right time to break up and breaking up is, is is not a kind act. Like we know that it can be an act of kindness for yourself and your partner, right? It's but, not a nice act. Right. 
that's it. That's it. Is that that we we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to to make something um, painful feel as though it's not painful. <laughs> exactly right. Like there's there are very few instances where you can break up with someone and not hurt or disappoint them, right? Like, and I think the the pressure that we put on ourselves to mitigate that that as much as possible um, doesn't serve us very well. And and the fact is is that like yeah. When you break up with this man, it's going to be hard on him. When right. you break up with him, it's going to be hard on his parents. But there's no situation that you can do where it's not going to be hard for him and it's not going to be hard for his parents. It's not going to be hard for you. Right. And and trying to figure out what that situation is that's going to align perfectly where there's no hurt or that like the hurt is less is unrealistic because mm-hmm. it's going to hurt and it's going to hurt big time for everyone (laughs) like for you for your boyfriend for his parents for your friends like that's just the reality of what breakups are yeah um and i wish that i could tell you here's the formula here's here's the exact right thing to say at this exact right time and it's gonna hurt less but that's not the reality the reality is is it's just gonna suck and you just have to sort of gird your loins for that for how gird difficult your it is. What? <laughs> gird your loins. Gir- gird? That's a gird word. Gird your loins. Yes. <laughs> I, there's so many things happening in that <laughs> phrase that I cannot truly process at once. It means gird like, your loins. Get ready. Have you never seen Devil Wears Prada? <laughs> <gasps> she says gird your loins in it? No. What's his name? Stanley Tucci, the first time that Meredith is showing up to the office, walks around saying, gird your loins, because she's coming and everyone's terrified wow. of her. Did, that's not, that was not my takeaway of that movie. <laughs> uh. <gasps> okay, anyway, exhausted Bridget, learn things every day here at Just Break Up. Um, so I'm going to do something that we fucking rarely do on this podcast, which is jump straight to some practical advice. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you should n- make a concrete plan and, uh, and like an out, like maybe potentially get an apartment or, or secure a place to live, mm-hmm. um, and get mm-hmm. stow yourself to be, be ready for things to be different immediately. Right. Because mm-hmm. I think the more you are a part of this transition, the harder and longer it will be. Absolutely. Um, so make a plan, whether that's pack a bag or secure housing or whatever. Um, and this is going to sound really callous, but leave and don't come back. Um, Agreed. Again, you know, for folks thinking like that's a cold, cold, cold way to go. what is a good way to break up with someone? Right. Like what is a good way? This, this, from my perspective, this is a way that you can um, ensure your safety, ensure um, that you don't get convinced to return to something that is not sustainable for you. Right. Um, That's just, just my concrete advice is to get ready for it. Be ready for things to be different and make them different immediately. Yeah. Um, I definitely agree with that. And like, give yourself a date to do it too, right? Like don't wait for the perfect circumstances. Wait for the time that you've set for yourself to do it. Yep. Um, 
which is to say, like, do all of the things that Sierra said. So, like, text your friend and be like, hey, I'm going to do this. I need some place to stay. Can I stay with you? Or find a new apartment if that's feasible. Um, but don't wait. Don't wait for the circumstances to align. Set yourself a specific goal, a time, a date right. of when you are going to do it. Right. Because, right. like, it, the circumstances are never going to be perfect enough for you to want to actually make this happen. So you just have to, you have to set a deadline for yourself. Your happiness is the circumstance, right? Mm-hmm. Your Absolutely. unhappiness, right? And, and I think Sierra is absolutely right that like a clean break is actually going to be kinder for for him, right? right? Like a, a separation immediately and like not lingering, <laughs> right? Like not sort of doing the thing that we do often in breakups, which is like continue to be in each other's lives and pretend that we're still dating, even though we're con- entirely broken up. Yeah. Um, isn't going to serve him very well. Yeah. Um, And I'll give you a script. I'll give you some words that you can say. But first, I want to touch on the piece about the parents, because I do think that is a unique um, circumstance of this of this scenario. But I want to try to, like, shift your perspective on something that, yes, it is kind and thoughtful and also like maybe even um, responsible of you to think, like, do I give my the parents a heads up? Like, because they're going to have to deal with that. But even that thought process, that thinking reinforces that your boyfriend is the responsibility of someone else, not his own. It reinforces that he's someone else's responsibility and not responsible for himself. Mm -hmm. Um, At the end of the day, no matter what resources and support um, and understanding and compassion we can give to someone, they are solely and uniquely responsible for themselves. And your boyfriend will have to learn that at one point or another, despite his mental illness, right? Because of it, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that is the reality of it. Um, and I think, you know, I I want to say that, like, your boyfriend does deserve help, right? Like, right. he does deserve people to support him in this, um, in what he's going through, but he does, he's not entitled to you, right? Mm. Like he's not entitled to just you being that person for him. Um, and I know that that's really hard to hear. Um, and I know that that's disappointing in some ways because like, I think a lot of us would love to be the one person to help, help quote unquote, fix the people around us. Um, and I, but the reality is, is like, you are, you are taking all of that on. And honestly, you are, you are, in some ways isolating him by by taking mm. on everything that he needs to do right like by by giving him and others the illusion that he is well enough to be able to to sort of not need any additional resources or help mm. um and that's that's a a harsh reality to to come yeah. against um and I'll admit that but but it's not up to you to sort of fix him. And he has, there are resources available to him that aren't you that he's not using right now. Mm, right. And maybe this will wow. be the impetus for him to get, to use those resources that are actually going to be more useful for him than having you do everything enough for him so that people don't notice how deeply he's hurting. Would you tell the parents in that situation? I wouldn't. Yeah. Um, you know, I would, I would do it. I would maybe reach out to them afterwards and just say like, I'm so sorry. Yes. I know that this is a, this is also a breakup with you and just know that I've, 
appreciated all of the things that you've given me, but the, I, this is the best decision for both of us, right? Um, just to like acknowledge how much they are doing, but also, you know, they don't, they're not entitled to that either. Um, because I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, to add to that script, I would say, um, things that you can say to your boyfriend during this process, direct I statements. I am unhappy. This isn't working for me. Mm-hmm. There is no arguing that. I'm sure that people can debate it. I'm sure that p- there's pushback. But if you st- if you say state simply that this is not working for you and that you are unhappy, you are incapable of doing this anymore, then there's there's at least no arguing it of it in your heart, you know? Absolutely. And I want to say really quickly, because I know conversations about relationship and mental health can get sticky um, because a lot of people don't know how to advocate for people with mental illness, um, people struggling with depression or anxiety. And also, we we don't always know how to advocate for ourselves, you know, um, and the intersection of mental health and relationships is is a tr- can be a really tricky one. Right. So I. We can't unpack all of that in this letter, but I just want to say if you're a listener who's thinking like, well, so-and-so left me because they didn't care that I was hurting or because they couldn't handle all of my, quote, crazy or whatever Mm -hmm. negative self-talk you're saying right now, I want to say I'm sorry that happened to you. And also, we are all humans moving on this planet Uh, who all have a right to agency and choice and your ex made a path, took a path or made a choice that was the best for them. It might've really hurt you and it might've made you feel like you, they, they couldn't handle you, that you were too much or anything. None of that is true. It was just a choice for them about their life. Um, it's, it's possible to have mental illness and healthy relationships. It's possible to, uh, be there for a partner in a mental health crisis. Obviously there's so much more we could unpack there, but I was just thinking Mm -hmm. like the ways, the stories that we tell ourselves about the hard times that we were going through and the people that could or couldn't be there for us often like reinforce hurtful narratives that we were told by society or whatever. Like mm-hmm. you weren't too much. You just aren't right for each other in this moment, in this iteration, you know? Absolutely. No, I think that's, that's absolutely right. And as people or as someone who has dated people with mel- mental illness before, right? Like, yes, it's absolutely. And someone who is like suffers from mental illness himself. Yeah. It's absolutely possible to be in relationship with people who are struggling um, and do it in a healthy, sustainable way. Right. Um, but the reality is, is that in this situation, Bridget, this isn't, this yeah. isn't sustainable for either of you. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Obviously I really feel like we could talk about that forever, but I feel like we've covered enough for this letter, but that, that just one small conversation topic opens so many doors in my mind that I, that, that I want to talk about with you. Just like, what is the, where are the intersections of compatibility, timing, mental illness, resources, uh, you know, networks, like you have connections to people. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess it it's a perfect summary of like, 
we are all so complicated, right? There's no perfect <laughs> yeah. equation for dating. There's no perfect equation for being a, a great partner. Um, it's all like a combination of of luck and timing and hard work and life experience and who the fuck knows. Mm-hmm. That's real. Anyway, um, exhausted Bridget, you deserve um, happiness and uh, you can do hard things. And we know this is really hard and really painful, but you are not a bad person for seeking out a happier life and for leaving something that isn't working for you anymore. Mm. Very real. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. All right, everyone. So like I said at the top of that letter, um, Bridget actually did reach out to us and gave us an update on uh, what was happening with her. And um, I reached out to her to see if she would be okay with us sharing this. And she said yes. So want you to all know what's going on with Bridget. So uh, Bridget DM'd us on Instagram and she said, hi, Sam and Sierra. I just wanted to tell you how incredibly honored and thankful I was to hear my letter come on air and have you guys answer it and give me your advice and support in the thoughtful and loving way that you do. I was absolutely bawling hearing what you had to say and listened to it several times in the following months to try and give myself the courage to break up. I also want to update you guys on how things are going since I know you've said you like to hear updates from letter writers and I owe where my life is now to you too. Also, sidebar, we do love to hear updates from letter writers. So if you have any folks out there who have um, have been the recipients of our advice, uh, please feel, to DM, feel free to DM us and let us know how you're doing and if our advice was good or if it was bad, uh, we are happy to hear either way. All right, so Bridget continues. So I ended up trying to break up back in November before that episode actually aired and it went horribly. I didn't do anything you would later advise me to do and I got convinced to stay by not making the immediate up and leave change that I needed to do. I was begged to stay by my boyfriend and told by his mom, because if you remember, I was living with them all, that I just needed to try harder. And if I left, they were going to have to hospitalize my BF. The following months were terrible. I made a very conscious effort to step back from the caretaker role I was so heavily in, but that caused my BF to feel unsupported by me, so that his anger that I had described in the letter was then constantly taken out at me, and the relationship turned abusive instead, with gaslighting, physical, and emotional intimidation. When I realized that there was no saving the relationship and again I needed to end it, that was around the time that the episode aired and you guys gave me the plan that I needed to actually get out. I secured an apartment, told my close friends and family that I was leaving so that I had backup, and gave myself a date to leave. Mind you, that date was very far away so that I would, quote, have the time to work up the courage. But I was absolutely terrified to break up again because of how terribly it had gone the first time. And now because of how angry my boyfriend was with me and it felt impossible to leave. I spent two months knowing I had to get out with my apartment waiting for me, but just not doing it. But five days before my set deadline of needing to be out by, I did indeed do it. That was a week ago, and I'm settling into my new apartment now, and even though I am sad and confused, I can't explain to you the depths of relief that I feel to be out. I have a lot of work to do to sort myself out after this experience, but I'm so thankful to be in a position where I can do so. If you made it through that novel, my deepest thanks to both of you again. What you are teaching to your audience I know is making a difference to a world of more socially and emotionally intelligent people, but what you have given me personally through your podcast is immeasurably immeasurably valuable. I hope that you know that even on your worst days, 
that no matter what you do in your lives, you have had a life-changing impact on at least one person, although I'm certain it's many, many more. All my love to you both. Bridget, thank you so much for writing us. Thank you so much for letting us know. Um, I'm so glad to hear that you were able to find a way to get out of a situation that was um, not working for you. Um, and that felt really unsafe. And I know that it's really challenging. And I am so amazingly proud of you that you were able to find a way to do that. And um, just humbled by the fact that uh, the ridiculous advice that Sierra and I could give you um, would help you to do that. And, you know, I will also say too, that um, I hope that your boyfriend is doing well too. I hope that his family is doing well. Um, I know it's really hard to leave a situation in which someone is really hurting so much. Um, but I, I know that you needed to do it. I know that you made the right decision. Um, and I really hope that your boyfriend is getting the help that he needs to be able to live uh, the life that he deserves as well. So Thank you so much. Um, thanks for the update. And uh, I love you. All right, everyone. Thank you for uh, hanging in there with me. This has been super fun to go back and revisit uh, letters that I have found um, very profound to me. So thank you for coming on this journey with me. Um, before we sign off, um, we are at the blind date segment of our episode. So this is when we try and set you up with something that we think you're really going to like. Um, and this week, my blind date is Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Um, this is a hilarious movie that um, Peter and I watched really recently. Um, it is available, I believe, on Amazon and HBO. It is one of those ones where you like have to pay extra money for it. Um, but I would say that it is worth it. It stars Kristen Wiig and Annie Mamolo. Um, and it's just, it's the story of these um, sort of middle-aged women who have never gone on vacation, um, who go to Vista Del Mar, Florida. Um, it is not at all what I expected it to be. Um, it's weird. It's zany. There's like a whole like storyline to it that I did not expect coming. Um, when we were talking to our Spotify person, uh, Mike, who works with us on Spotify, he said it was like a cross between like Austin Powers, um, Bridesmaids and uh, The Hangover. Um, and I would say that it's true of all of those things and um, not as gross as, <laughs> as any of those movies are. Um, but I really enjoyed it. It feels like in this time where there's just like a lot going on and um and everything feels sometimes like it's all falling apart. It was great to just watch a movie that was like, honestly, super funny. Um, and that just like took us out of the day to day pandemic uh, that we are dealing with and just had the opportunity to laugh. So it's Barb and Star. Go to Vista Del Mar. Um, you can buy it, I believe, on Amazon or you can rent it on Amazon, um, HBO Go, I think YouTube, probably anywhere where you can get um, uh, rentals. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes or updates about uh, the advice that we gave you. But most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our amazing merchandise. Please don't forget to hit that follow button so that you can get our episodes every Monday exclusively on Spotify and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you will get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. 
original music, recording, editing, and producing all of the amazing things by our good friend, Big Cats, aka Spencer. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast, and remember, your purpose in life is not to make yourself something you're not to make people feel better. You can respect others' feelings and at the same time still honor your own. It is not your job to change other people, but you can still create space for their change. You cannot go through life without disappointing people, but you can go through life making sure that those disappointments serve you and others well. And if all else fails, just break up.